You're listening to the Maximum Advisor Podcast, a show that empowers financial advisors to set goals, take action, and grow their practice. Your host, Chip Munn, is an award-winning advisor and CEO whose advice is regularly featured in Business Insider, Thrive Global, and The Streets Retirement Daily. Listen in as he sits down with industry experts to talk about building a practice and making an impact. Welcome back to Maximum Advisor. I'm your host, Chip Munn, and today I'm joined by Ashley Barnett. Ashley is the founder of Hit Publish and a speaker and blogger and blog manager. Ashley, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Excited to talk to all the financial advisors out there. Absolutely. So, Ashley, we met recently speaking at FinCon X together virtually. And I really love what you're doing and thought that it'd be great for our audience. Tell us a little bit about, for folks who haven't had a chance to kind of look you up or hear you speak, tell us a little bit about you and how you got here. Yeah, I have been a personal finance blogger since 2008. I have just always had a passion for personal finance and helping people with their money, as I'm sure everybody listening probably has as well. And when I found personal finance blogging, I was like, oh, this is it for me. This is what I want to do. So I started at a blog and I did that for several years. And then I started freelancing for some of the bigger sites. And eventually that ended up with being a blog manager, managing editor. And my job is to get content on the site, onto the sites. So the owner will give me topic ideas and then I will get them out to the writers, edit them, make sure it's live on the blog. So working with writers and creating content is how I spend my days. It just goes to show you that there's something for everybody, right? Because I I can tell you that if I can speak on behalf of most of our audience, that's not our ideal day. One of the interesting things in the world of finance is that most financial advisors, we're told that we should have a blog. There are a lot of companies that want to help us. And by have a blog, I mean white label content of theirs and put it on the internet with our name on it. Yeah. What's the difference between having a blog and that? You know what I mean? I'm I'm curious because I think that a lot of times we're just in a different place than folks who create content for a living. And I'm curious what the difference is and why you feel like for those of us who are in this business, why is it important? You do want to be right at yourself or at least be heavily involved in the content because it's your voice. Like the point of the blog for financial advisors is to get clients and those clients are getting to know you through the content that you're putting out into the world. So if it's somebody else's content that you barely even read and put on your site just for SEO or something, it's not going to sound like you. It's not going to connect with your ideal client. Your client isn't going to start building a relationship with you through your content. It's like a newspaper ad or something. It's not yours. And you want to attract your ideal clients to you personally. So just buying generic content that you found out in the world is not going to be nearly as effective as writing your own. So from your standpoint, you started out originally writing the content. If I'm a financial advisor considering 
having a blog. And one of the things I think is probably, this is a good place for us to point out. There's a difference between having a blog that sounds like you, that's in your voice and writing all the time. Would you agree? Yeah. And I'm looking at somebody in a service like yours. One of the things that I can hear from a financial advisor is that's hard. I don't have a lot of, maybe we don't think it's hard because we think that we can do everything, (laughs) but I don't have time, those kinds of things. Why is it important? It's important to get clients, but how does, as a former or, or current content creator, walk us through a little bit, talk to me like I'm a fifth grader. Like, how does that work? To get content onto the site. And how is that useful in kind of attracting our folks? Content on their site that sounds like you and is from your point of view. And you don't have to write that yourself. You could work with a writer and the more you work with them, you know, the more you can tweak it to sound like you and they'll get used to your voice. But obviously it's on your site. If someone's checking you out, they can kind of get a feel for who you are as a person. Also gives you stuff to put out on social media that will attract people because it's difficult if you don't have articles to put out, like what do you put out on social media then? So it gives you stuff to put out on social media that's helpful to your ideal client. And you can repurpose that content as well. So if you came up with your top 10 list of something, you know, of investments or ways to get started investing or whatever, you could use that to create a video. You could create images that go along with that. You could go on a podcast and talk about that exact information. Like you, once you have the information put together, you can reuse it in a lot of different ways. And eventually, if you get enough, you could even have a book that you put out with basically all that same information. So it is time consuming. I don't want to back down from that, but you don't have to do it all yourself. And the information that you're curating and kind of getting out of your head really can go a long way. And it helps to connect with your ideal client and you can start to build relationships with people on the internet and you don't have to be there. Yeah. It's a little bit like the modern argument for billboards, right? Billboards used to be kind of always on. All right. So one of the things that you teach is how to create content in our business. We are inundated with content that other people have created. If you can think of the name of a mutual fund or an annuity company, we get email from them with content they created. So we are very accustomed to being the recipient. But when it comes to creating content, what are some of the things that you suggest makes good content? And how do you begin the process of putting it together? Good content is helpful, period. If your content is helpful, then it was good. The way to be the most helpful as possible is to really understand who your ideal client is, which you've probably already done as a business owner and as somebody who's marketing, you probably have a really good idea of who your ideal client is. So you really want to put that person in your head, imagine them sitting across the table from you and writing directly to them. And then once you have an article idea, you really want to pinpoint with extreme clarity, what that article is actually about, and then stay on that topic. It is so easy to kind of get an idea of what you want to write about, and you just start writing, and 
the content kind of goes all over the place and it, it is confusing for the reader. Like, what is this person trying to tell me? So you really want to be crystal clear before you start and what you want to communicate to the reader. If you do those two things, that's going to go a long way for you. So dial in on your ideal kind of one target market and then focus on being helpful. Again, I think it's important for us to clarify for people that the point of this is to really dial in on the fact that this can be simple. It's easy to make this out to be something that's incredibly complicated, but there are some kind of step-by-step formulas that we can use, steps that we can take in order to to be able to create this content. What are some of the things that you see people struggle with? Ashley, with the writers that you talk about, people putting together blogs, what's hard? Nailing the idea or getting crystal clear on what your article is about is way harder than it sounds. You want to really get that down to one sentence. Your intro is really important because you got the reader finally. You don't want to lose them in the first two paragraphs. So I try to make the intro actually useful, like answer the question right there in the introduction of the article and then get into more depth as the article goes on. I see that all the time, like a boring, generic intro because somebody just doesn't know what to say. You want to really know what you want your reader to get out of it. SEO stands for search engine optimization. That's how we tell Google what our article is about. You don't have to be an expert, but there's a couple of key things to know when getting into that. And it's a little bit more technical, but having a basic understanding of search engine optimization, like I say, you don't need to be an expert. You can get 80% of it and do just fine with that. So when it comes to writing blog posts, again, I can imagine that the thought is that it would be time consuming. How do you cut down on how long it takes to pull together your articles so that you can pull them? Because I imagine you have to pull together a lot of them. How do you add some speed to the process? Working from an outline, I think, makes it go so much faster because you don't get off track. You don't spend an hour writing this huge section that you end up not using. So I always recommend to make an outline. And I just start with, I have that crystal clear idea. Then I have three main points that I'm going to hit in the article. And then under that, three sub points. If you can do that, you have a really good layout. If you have a writer that you're working with, you could just send them that. And that is a great framework for them to work from. But if you are writing it yourself, again, it will go a long way to make it go faster because you know what you're doing and you don't waste time writing stuff that is off track and you're not going to use. Yeah, I have found in my writing, and I admit that I do most of mine verbally first, so either video or audio and transcribe and then just kind of hash it out that way. But what I have found is most of the time, my first few hundred words either get completely scrapped or end up somewhere in the middle or at the end. Like I usually find the beginning of what I should be saying 300 words in. (laughs) Yeah. We're on video for those who are listening to this on audio only. And I see you nodding your head. Is that something that that's a thing? Yeah. It's not just me. No, definitely not. And I have professional writers where I pretty much just delete the first two paragraphs of everything they submit me because it's just, they're just kind of getting in the groove. 
again, that's where that outline comes in because you you have to work through it in your mind before you start. And what you just said there about doing it audio, if you have a writer that you're working with, you can just brain dump onto audio and they can pull out and organize and write it down if that is easier to get it into text. A big part of my method when it comes to financial advisors is crafting and developing a message, like you said, to your one target market at a time, but then it's to amplify it. And, and that's what we're talking about is to take this message. And what I would say to our advisors is don't get stuck, right? We've all heard of writer's block, but nobody's ever heard of talker's block. And so for those of us, that this isn't what we do all day. I can assure you that most financial advisors do talk all day. So the ability to turn on a recorder, just kind of let it go. And really where I was going a minute ago, Ashley, was just to, for our listeners, to affirm the fact that it's okay, that it does take a little while before it catches. So don't be yeah. frustrated by those first few sentences or few hundred. What I heard you say was that professional writers are the same way. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, it, as we were talking, the image that popped into my head being a sports fan is the on deck circle in baseball. You know, it's a little bit like getting out and swinging the bat a little bit before it's actually your turn. That's kind of what I think of as those first couple hundred words. And you have to be okay with the fact that not everything that you write is going to be perfect or that you're even going to use it because it could be yeah. that that's just priming the pump to get you where you're going to go. So now, Ashley, you mentioned three points and three sub points. Was so that kind of the formula that you use for article writing? And if so, what do you find that the ideal kind of length of a blog post is? Yeah, the average blog post is 1,200 words. I usually go 1,500 words is what I'm aiming for. But it also depends on the topic, too. If it's a very pinpoint topic, like I'm not going to be able to write 1,500 words on how to tie your shoes, right? But on the other hand, I'm going to write way more than 1,500 words on what's a mutual fund, right? So it goes with the topic, but 1,500 words is a nice length of an article. I also look at the articles that are already ranking on Google for whatever topic is that I'm going to write for. No, I Google that, I pull up those articles and I see how long they are. Because right there, Google is telling us this is the best content on the internet for this keyword. So use Google's guidance to help you decide what to do. And so when you say you pull it up and kind of look at what's ranking, you literally just Google it. Yep. I mean, you're not talking about a special tool. It's just the internet. Yep. Yep. Just google.com. Just put in kind of the topic that you're thinking about writing about, maybe how to get started investing and see what comes up. Google's telling you these are the best 10 articles on the internet for this keyword. So read them, look at them, see how long they are, see what topics they hit, see if they're using charts or tables, if they have calculators. Those are all the things that Google's looking for. And then you just kind of model your articles after that. It's a great way to get ideas. I like formulas. And so being able to kind of take the best practices out of those and be able to use that as something that I can mold my content around, again, didn't necessarily know that. So I think that's a, a great tool for us to be able to use that we already have. 
And it's nice to know that, yeah, kind of that the pros do it the same way. Do you, yep. Speaking of, though, do you have any kind of specialty tools that you use to determine if I were looking for a keyword? And I don't claim to be an SEO expert by any means, but when we're trying to figure out what to write about, what people are interested in, do you have any special tools or insight that you suggest on how to identify kind of our direction within a given topic? Yeah, actually, there is a free tool that I use. It's the Uber Suggest Chrome plugin, and it's free to use. There are paid tools, but they are fairly expensive. But you can do a lot with just the Uber Suggest Chrome plugin. And it gives you, when you type in something into Google, it tells you the search volume per month. So you might say, you know, how to start investing. It might get 100 searches a month or 100,000 searches a month. I don't know. But it will tell you that right there in Google. And then it also gives the domain score of each article that's ranking, each website that's ranking. So every article on the internet is ranked between 1 and 100, or every website is ranked between 1 and 100. 100 being the biggest sites out there. Facebook's a 100. And when you first start and you get started, you're a one. So you want to find keywords that get some search volume and also have sites that are ranking that are kind of close to your domain score. That's hard to do when you're first starting, but as you go along, you know, your site will grow and your domain score will rise. So if you Googled just retirement, I can't even imagine how big those sites are that are ranking. They've got to be huge. Wikipedia and Investopedia and all of those. So you might want to go for how to get started investing after 50, right? That's going to be a lot smaller. It's going to have smaller search volume, but it'll probably have smaller sites ranking for it. So it's an easier to get onto Google that way. I got you. So one of the things that you help people do is to learn how to really put their blog together. I, I know that you do some teaching on that. I'm wondering if you'd entertain something. I, I don't know if I've ever done this. I haven't done it in a long time. Would you be open to just workshopping with me for a minute? Sure. Let, let's yeah, let's show absolutely. people a process of, I'm a financial advisor. I won't put together a blog. So if you're cool, we'll completely riff and see if we can't pull together something that somebody could use. You open for that? Sure, let's try it. So let's think about, we'll just say basics of investing. Our target is going to be the kids of our clients, and we want to come up with a blog on the basics of investing. So you have some experience with that. I do. So, so what's the first thing that we do? So the first thing I just did it while you were talking, I just Googled basics of investing. So my Uber Suggest plugin says here that it gets 1,900 searches per month, which is pretty decent. And then I just quickly scan the search results to see the size of the sites that are ranking. And they're pretty big. The smallest one is 74, which is MerrillEdge.com. That's the smallest site that's ranking for that. So we're going to have to be huge to get in the top 10 of search results for basics of investing. Okay. So I would probably take that down, try to find something. All right. So then what would be next? Where would we go? So we go from basics of investing and we say those sites are too big. What do we do next? 
So I just scroll all the way to the bottom of Google and it will give you related searches, which probably no one ever actually gets to the bottom of Google. Oh, I've gotten to the bottom of at least one Google page before. <laughs> but that's the whole point, right? Of us wanting to try to get to the top of Google is because people don't yes. get to the bottom of Google. <laughs> no one gets to the bottom. There was a joke that said, um, the best place to hide a body is on the second page of Google. <laughs> well, and that's, and again, hey, listen, don't be that guy or gal. Don't be that person. So we go from basics. So we scroll down and we say, oh, that's maybe too broad. So we want to dial it in. So we get down to the bottom, related searches. What's next? So I'm just looking here. So some of the related searches are basics of investing book. Gets 170 searches a month. Uh, basics of investing in stocks gets 590. Investing for beginners, investing for dummies, how to start investing. I'm going to click on basics of investing in stocks and see what we get here. So this one gets 590 searches a month and it's still really big. A domain score of 70, Investor Junkie is ranking. At least Investor Junkie is a blog. It's a big blog, but it is a blog unlike, say, YouTube, Nerd Wallet's technically a blog, but they're really big. Investopedia, that's all ranking. So we've narrowed, though, to basics of investing in stocks, and we've decided that yeah. that's small enough. I imagine if we were wanting to take it a step further, we would probably kind of niche, niche weird, I've heard somebody say, yeah. basics of investing in stocks for college students. So I mean, we could take it another yeah. step if we're trying to shrink things down. So we've gotten that far. We understand kind of what the realm of the domain score is. So what would be next? Is this where we come up with our three and three? Yeah, next I just start reading, say, the for top five. I just go in, I look at how long they are and kind of what they're talking about. So Investopedia is the first one. It is 1,900 words. So that's, that's reasonable, right? That, that's something we could do. And they say, like, what kind of investor are you? I'm just looking at their main headings. What kind of investor are you? Online brokers, robo-advisors, investing through your employer. Okay, so we're getting an idea of how they're suggesting a person get started investing in stocks. It gives us an idea of what's already out there. And say you did that for all of them. So you have a pretty good idea of what's out there. And then, yeah, then you want to make your outline. And it, it doesn't always have to be three and three, but that's a great place to start if you're kind of struggling, like, I don't even know where to begin. Yeah, you have to have something to aim for. You know, the good news for those of us with client interactions and things like this, you know, one of the suggestions I usually have is just answer the questions your clients already ask you. But I think yes. that for, for you, mentioning that three heads and three subheads, it gives folks a kind of a, a structure to shoot for. So we've, we've got, right. if I'm getting this right, kind of our, our process that we're working through so far, we've looked at a topic. We've maybe narrowed that a little bit. Then we've read the first few or looked at the first few that come up in Google and we're taking a look at about how long they are and really kind of the almost, I was the bold sentences. Yeah, yeah. And so again, for an advisor, we're not talking about a ton of time. We have now done this while we're talking. So you yeah. come up with a broad topic, narrow it down a little bit, read the first five, read the bold sentences. And my guess is that for most of us, Ashley, then 
that's where our voice comes from, right? Because now of the 20 things, so four articles, five bullets each, I've got 20 things, and three or four of them resonate to me. They land in what I believe. Now I've got my three, right? Now I can say, okay, well, when it comes to investing in stocks, here are the four things that I believe. Am I yep. right? And then yep. from there, we give a few, two to four, however many, how many you have, right? It needs to be long enough to be helpful and that's it. Yeah. No longer, <laughs> right? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. But you get, get your few things under each bullet point and put a beginning and an end and shape it up. I mean, yep. so I'm trying to get us to a place where for advisors, there are plenty more details, I'm sure. But what we're saying yeah. is it's doable. It's doable yes. with a regular job for a regular person who's not a professional writer, but you just have to be willing to do it. And what makes it easier for me is just having a framework kind of like what you laid out. So now we've gone from five minutes ago, having nothing to a topic, Googled it, some headlines. We've boiled it down to our few, come up with two or three things that we already know. And that's the outline that you were telling me that we should have. Yeah. So now you have an outline and then just write, you know, two or 300 words under each of your sections. And yeah, like you said, an intro and a conclusion and you have an article. So I know that we've gone to great lengths to make it seem simple. However, this part is what you do for a living. So when it comes to really taking it past that, we, we've shown folks the structure of putting something together. What are some of the pro tips for folks who want to take it a step farther? How do I become a blogger? How do I hit publish and actually take it from this back of the napkin post-it note that we've put together and actually get it out there onto the internet and into the world? So I go through in my course and we go through, it's 10 lessons, identifying your reader, understanding your niche. We look at other blogs in your niche. You want to find some other sites in there that are the sites you want to be when you grow up, right? They're the ones who are doing it the way you want to do it. Those are great sites to follow so that you have something to model after. We go into the basics of search engine optimizations and keyword research, and then how to use your keyword, which we kind of dipped into here to make your article the best on the internet. And then we get into editing. And really the key of editing is to take out anything that is confusing, anything that is extra, that isn't helping your reader along the way, which is a lot when you start to dig into that. Like, is this really necessary to say? Probably not. So we go through editing and then what I call the razzle-dazzle. And this is kind of where we take it from being a newspaper article into an actual blog post, right? Because we can do so much on the internet that they can't do in say magazines or newspapers, right? In print. So we can do tables and charts and interlink to other articles, both on and off your own site, all images and anything that we think is really going to take it up a level and anything that will help the reader understand even better, more than just through your words. Well, I think that you've shared with us a great life philosophy. Yeah, as you were talking about editing and you said you need to take out anything that's confusing and extra. 
I thought about a couple of people. I mean, I'm probably the only one, but it's, I think that's probably a good life philosophy as well. Well, Ashley, you've done a great job helping me break down the basics of blogging, but I certainly know that we didn't cover all of it. I know that this is something that you do professionally, teach people about. If folks have heard something that's interesting to them and they want to learn more, what's the best place for them to find and follow up with you? Yeah, my site, hitpublish.com. It's my home base. You can email me at ashley at hitpublish.com or there's a contact form on my site. Yeah, I would love to hear from anybody who has any questions about blogging. I can talk about this stuff all day long, so happy to help. Well, if that's you and you really have thought about trying to take your message, refine it and get it out there, then I encourage you to reach out to Ashley and to check out the materials there on her site. Hopefully, we've given you the basics of just by listening to this, hopefully you have a post-it or a note card or a piece of paper somewhere with your first little outline set up. I think that was a great way for us to just to wet our feet and get started, but I encourage you to check her out and we'll look forward to being back with you talking more about building your practice and amplifying your message again real soon. To download what we believe is the single most important marketing, selling, and positioning tool for your practice, go to MaximumAdvisor.com slash scorecard now. Join the conversation in our private Maximum Advisor Facebook group. And subscribe to this show anywhere you listen to podcasts or at MaximumAdvisor.com.